Bodget and then Scarpa. I've been in the trade for over 20 years now. The amount of cowboy tradesmen that I've met that are just interested in getting in there, getting the job done, and going home. There's no pride in the work they do. Or as we say in the trade, there's no f**k given. And there is. There's so many of these Billy Bodgers out there, or the tradesmen that do dodgy work. I haven't got a clue how they carry on running a business and how they keep in business with all the dodgy work that they do. But unfortunately, you can guarantee it. If there's a Billy Bodger out there or a rogue tradesman, as we call them, that are willing to go out there and give you a quote, there's going to be some poor customers that are willing to give them some work. So in this podcast, I'm going to dive into how I think that they're actually getting away with it. Toolbox Talks for Electricians, helping electricians reduce stress, gain back time and earn more money. Ben Poulter, your host here of Toolbox Talks for Electricians, here once again today to talk about how these Billy Bodger tradesmen get away with doing such a dodgy job. I mean, if you're going to do a bad job, then the customer is more than likely to talk about you. Because customers, they don't go around and say, yes, I have had a fantastic electrician. He is great. He's done a brilliant job. They're more than likely going to go to their friends and family and say, yeah, I've got this bloke in. He's rubbish. Look, how, And they'll moan about it because it's, it's a natural nature of a human being that we love to moan. So they're going to moan about it more than congratulate you if you do a rubbish job. But these moaners... They still employed the people and maybe they're a little bit embarrassed to tell everyone that they've employed a dodgy builder to do the work. So they just crack on and live with it, live with a rubbish job after paying with their hard-earned money. But how do these dodgy dudes stay in business? Firstly, you're never going to stop these guys. There's loads of them about and they're going to continue to do these dodgy buildings or dodgy work sort of thing for customers. They've got no morals and some of them, they actually do ruin a customer's life. And there's so many of them about that in the UK, we've got a few TV shows like Rogue Traders that has been built upon these dodgy builders doing the dodgy work. And if you're like me, you like to watch a few of them because it is funny when some of them get caught out. And because of these programs, I often wonder if I go to someone's house and they agree for the quote and I go around to do the work and it's a nice, beautiful house, you have a little look round to think, is there any cameras watching me? Just in case, like you never know whether someone's actually got cameras to check out whether you're a, a good builder or a rogue trader, whether that, they've had a complaint of something. You never know. So I'm always cautious to think... Am I being filmed? And this is the reason why I go above and beyond to do the best job I can. And I think the best thing that maybe a decent tradesman can do is educate the customers in a way to try and help them spot a rogue trader. Like there's certain things that these dodgy builders do when they turn up, like asking for money up front. Yep, I need to be played completely up front, the whole lot. Well, that's a red flag to start with. Because you want to help out these customers a little bit. Because it is harder once someone's had a Billy Bodger or a rogue trader in there that's done a dodgy job and then maybe find you and say, right, can you come and fix this? It's half done. We've paid him two grand already. Sometimes you can't do it. If you can't see where the cables are run or you can't see how they've done the job, it's ten times easier just to start from fresh. And unfortunately, it's going to cost them the original quote that you possibly gave them. Because nine times out of ten, you ain't happy to give a certificate to warranty the work for someone else's 
dodgy work. You don't want to say, yeah, behind that plasterboard, it's probably run all right. Because what if, I don't know, someone later on, they come along, the cable's gone across diagonally. Well, that's not in his own, and it shouldn't have went pop when you put your photo up, because ideally, that cable shouldn't be in that area. But I've seen it so many times where the cable was probably too short, so they just strung line it across, and it's under stress. And I think for electricians... It is pretty common for someone to call you up and say, oh, yeah, all we need is a certificate. It happens It happens to me all the time. We've had this work done. He's by an electrician, but um, unfortunately he's emigrated to Australia or he died or he's retired or he's passed away. Some sort of story. It's all the same stories that they bring up because it was Dave down the pub that did it for a few pints. And these types of jobs, you always know, because you can spot them from a mile away. As soon as you walk into that extension, as soon as you walk into that property that's maybe had a rewire, you can tell. There's some telltale time. <laughs> there's some telltale signs straight away that there's been a rogue trader in your house. This one extension that I went to once, they'd had an extension obviously put onto the back of their house, and they called me up when it was basically plastered, painted, and finished. They'd probably been in there a year, but then something happened in their life. Maybe they wanted to sell it, and they needed the the part piece certificate for the electrics that had been done to maybe sell the house or get it signed off or something like that. I'm not sure what they needed, but they called me up to say, right, we just need a certificate. And you walk into the house, you maybe walk around the back sort of thing, and you see all the cables that are going to the new extension from the fuse board at the front of the house, which is fine, but not when they're in twin and earth clipped to an outside wall, freshly open to the elements. That cable is not good. It's not meant to be outside, open to the elements like that. So straight away, you know that some dodgy builder's been in there. And these little red flags are sometimes, they're just something you don't want to get involved with because you know for a fact if that's going to have to be signed off or needed to be signed off, then you're going to need to do it properly there's going to be a shed load of remedial work and you can see the customer's probably on a budget and they don't want to pay a couple of grand to get the thing fixed properly. They just want to pay £30 for their test certificate. And I've done this before and I've sat down with the customer, had a cup of tea and explained to them, I've taken my time to say, look, this is why I can't sign it off. It's not worth it for me to put my name against this work because put it politely it's crap so you don't want to put it to put your name to it to sign it off and I've seen the customers a year later and mentioned to them did you get anyone managed to sign it off nah they they didn't bother they're still sitting in the same position without the electrics signed off for that property well any decent electrician will not sign it off they will not put their name to it because you're going to need a part piece certificate for any building control, uh, for any building works you get done, like an extension, like a rewire. And with that, a certificate. So then to, in order to obtain a certificate for that install, you're going to need to be qualified to be able to register with NAPIR, to be able to register with NIC, to be able to go to the council to start with. And if you can't provide that, you're probably not an electrician. But that's not the only problem. Because, yeah, fine, you'll just get it. Like, leave it, don't get it signed off. But what if that cable deteriorates over time? Do you know what happens to Twin and Earth when it's open to the elements with the UV rays and getting hot and cold and it's on the outside of a wall? It deteriorates. And then when that deteriorates, it, it might crack and the copper will show. 
So then what happens if your little grandkid or your little children are maybe running alongside the house and their little scooter, it pops onto the side of that cable, they fall off because, yep, kids fall off. They're sort of accident prone sometimes. But then they get an electric shock. Yeah, then you're going to think, oh, I wish I employed an electrician a few years ago because he would have done it properly and this wouldn't have happened. Or even still, what if someone hooks up a load of wood outside their house and thinks, yeah, that'll be fine. It's against uh, the wall where the cable is, but then it catches fire. These things actually happen. I know it's maybe a small percentage that they can happen, but it's the potential that it can happen. I don't like leaving jobs like that, and no electrician would. So if little things like that that you notice in a property when you go to maybe give them a test certificate or when people ask to sign it off, it's a massive red red flag. So it makes you think, Mm, what else have they done that's not up to regulation? And this is a perfect scenario where having a little bit of knowledge, yeah, they're on the cooker supply in six mil, but you clipped it on the outside wall with twin and earth, mate. You should, can't do that. You don't understand. That is pretty dangerous. But the customers, they always come back to you and say, that's all right. It's been like it for years. And yes, I understand it maybe has been like that for years, where your kitchen ring maybe, well, it's not kitchen ring, it's a spur of a spur of a spur, it's probably been like it for years. It trips off every now and again. Yeah, no wonder. It's probably not done right. But if it's been like it for years, yeah, fine. It might be okay for another 10 years. But what if next week it's not? It's The thing is that there's the potential there for something bad to happen. And this is why you call an electrician. So there is no potentials. There is no bad scenarios that can happen. There is no fires that can happen. That The thing is with an electrician, electrician will install something to the regulations and they'll be covered by insurance as well to make sure that they're confident that this these things like this won't happen. No one will get a shock. No one will cause a fire. This is why we do what we do. And I get it. If it was a house full of cats... Yeah, you know is a fault when a, sh- a cat gets a shock because they've got nine lives, it's fine. But how many lives do your kids have? But like I say, you're never going to stop someone coming along saying, yeah, I can do that, I can wire your kitchen, I can do that job, because they probably believe that they actually can. But are they qualified to do it properly? And does that matter? Does a customer care? Not necessarily. But they will care once something goes wrong. If something goes wrong, they're going to look for somebody to blame. And if you say, if that's you that hasn't got a qualification to be an electrician and you shouldn't be doing the work in the first place, yeah, you're screwed, mate. I suppose at the end of the day, it is the customer for not doing his due diligence possibly on the tradesmen that come around their house to be able to do the work. They normally look at £500 to £100. Hmm. They're going to go for the £100. It's the same job. Who cares? The £100 one's going to do a bad job. Because losing out on jobs these days, when a customer says, yeah, Ben, your price is too high, it's not something that bothers me whatsoever. I'll obviously try and stay friends with the customers to say, yep, that is not a problem. You can call me up if you have any other problems or any smaller jobs or any other jobs in the future. But I'm not bothered if I don't do the job, especially if they say your price was too high, Ben, your quote was too high, we've got better quotes. Well, I actually recommend customers, if they're going to get maybe a rewire of a house or an extension done, I say go and get two or three quotes. I'll even recommend a few electricians if you like. And the funny thing is, after I've recommended a few electricians, the customers will get all their quotes in and they'll call me up and say, Ben, yeah, your your quote was the highest. I'm like, okay, 
why, why are you ringing me? I don't understand why you're ringing me. My quotes are highest. Why didn't you ring the guy that was the cheapest? Well, because we like you and you seem to know what you were talking about. Well, there's a good reason that I sound like I know what I'm talking about. Because I do. But I rarely negotiate on price. And if they want to maybe get rid of some down lights, then yes, I can adjust the price a little bit if they just want a centre light in the bathroom rather than the four dot spotlights that they've originally wanted because you give people a thousand ideas when you go around they want their bathroom doing their kitchen done or their house rewiring you say yep you can have spots in here you can have USB sockets but if you take a few of them bits off yes it's going to bring the quote down but the actual labour of the work I don't I don't budge on the price is the price if you want me to do the work fine but if you don't and you've got a better quote then that's fine too. And this did actually happen to me recently. I put a quote in for a rewire of somewhere and someone else come along and did it £2,000 cheaper or said they'd do it £2,000 cheaper than what I quoted. I just said to the customer, man, you've got to go for it. It's a no-brainer. The customer did say, yeah, but we like you, Ben. I said, do you like me £2,000 more? She said, no. I said, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. If this guy's come in and given you a quote, just make sure he does it right. And they're not silly, so they're going to make sure it gets done properly. But I also said to them, if I can actually knock £2,000 off of my quote, then chuck me out your house, mate, because I was ripping you off in the first place. Because you'll learn, being in the trade, the customers always have a budget have a, a price in mind what they want to pay to get this project ongoing and done it's never ever right you always say at the end how much to go over a couple of grand or if it's a building if it's an extension maybe 20 grand over there were some extras here and there the bifold doors cost a lot more something like that it's never right so this is why when someone comes along and gives them a cheaper quote for the exactly the same job three guys quote for the same job they'll go for the creep cheapest not because they they know them or trust them. They just think they're going to do the same job. So that's going to fit their budget. And there is out there a few tradespeople that do that. They go in there, they undercut everybody. They say, right, we can do it for a grand. Oh, nice one. Do it for a grand. Crack on, do it. But then halfway through the job, they'll go, yeah, there is some problems. We're going to have to charge you a lot more. And that's where you're screwed because they've already started the work. And this is what some tradesmen do, I find. I've been told about stories before where a builder, he started a job because he went in there and undercut someone by 10%. He went in there, started the job, got it started, got it up to sort of brick level and the roof was about to go on. But yeah, run out of money, mate. You, well, hang about, that's, that's your problem. You've got to get the job completed. Yeah, we ain't got no money. They walked off. They left it. Like, what, what the hell? Like, sometimes it's worth... Paying in instalments, this is the thing sometimes. When a customer has a job done, you don't say, right, here's 10 grand, get the job done. Have, a, have it written down on a bit of paper to say, right, as an example, for electricians, you say, right, this is a rewire of the house, or say a new build, because a rewire a house, yet you'll get the job done, you'll get out there the same week. But if it's a new build, you'll say, right, I want this done, you're going to get the first fix done, and then I want to get paid... 60% maybe, because you've used all the cable, the cable costs a lot. And then you get the second fix done. And once the second fix done, you get the rest of it. It's in two sort of part payments. That's normally what I do. Like, get in part payments, because obviously you're going to be waiting for plasterers and builders and painters and decorators, stuff like that, to come along to get the job done. So you don't want to be waiting around forever. So just get a bill in there for first fix, 
and then second fixed. And that's fine because the customer's not out of the pocket for the whole job because they'll be on you as well, especially if they've paid you all up front. We want you here now. Like, hang about, I've got another job booked in, mate. They, they seem to think they own you a little bit if they've paid for the work. This is what my experience is. If someone says, I'll pay you up front, you're like, no, don't pay me up front. I even tell customers, I say, don't give me all the money because if, there, if there's a little bit to do, maybe if you're getting a kitchen done, the hob weren't in, I've got to come back and fix uh, fit the hob and wire it in. Don't pay me the full amount because I'll put that job on the back burner. I've been paid for it. It's, there's no incentive to go back. And fortunately, I think a lot of people are maybe like that, that you think, yeah, all I need is a hob fitting, I'm done and dusted. But I've been paid for it, so you're not going to make any money. So I always say to the customer, if there's anything left over, make sure that you don't give me the full lot, maybe 500 quid in there or something like that, just so there's an incentive for me to go back and get the job done. And I think this is a tricky part as well, because the customer, yep, they don't want to give people money up front, but some building companies, they like to get a bit of money up front because the builder or the electrician or the tradesman, they don't know this customer, whether they're going to rip them off, and the customer doesn't know the builder. So it's, it's a bit of a tricky situation, but... The way to get over that is get it all on paper. On emails is my best bet because bits of paper get lost all the time. So I always email saying, right, can you pay 10% and I can make a start. This is the thing, to make sure that they've got your bank details and they can transfer you the money. And if they're begrudging about paying you 10%, you know that you're going to struggle for 100% at the end of the job. And then this way as well, if anything does happen for the customer or the tradesman, it's all on email. It's all, you've got evidence of replies from them and them confirming maybe if they've extras. Sometimes a customer will come along and go, yeah, I want to get uh, chrome-plated USB sockets now, please. You're like, okay, that's going to be extra. Yep, that's fine, crack on. Right, okay, I'll send you an email. Just confirm it over email or sign the quote again to say that these extra, extras uh, you're willing to go ahead with. And then you've got on a bit of paper because no doubt at the end of the job when you say, right, that's £1,000, £1,200, please, I'll give you a grand. You're like, no, doesn't work like that, mate. It's £1,200, I just told you. So for a little bit of advice for a customer, if a tradesman comes around your house and says, yeah, I need to get a deposit off you to pay for materials up front, I think that was a bit of a lie. Yes, they might use the money to buy materials, but any decent tradesman... As a credit account, as a credit account, I don't pay for anything that I get for a month, sort of thing on the on credit account. I have my van full of kit. I always get loads of stuff to make sure I've got enough to do the job. And if there is over, I take it back and give it back to the wholesale. It's still in the box. It hasn't been used because. A lot of the time, you don't want to have to go back and forth that day. Or sometimes you might have another job where you're going to use it anyway. But never, ever, ever pay a hundred percent up for the job. If someone comes around your house and says, right, this job's going to cost five grand, and they say, right, there we go, just give me the five grand and I'll make a start. No, 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 no. Don't give them anything. You want a bit of paper yourself. The customer wants a bit of paper to say, right, you're paying 10%. Why are you paying 10%? What for? If you to start the job, to get your lads in and to get the, the ball rolling in effect, that's what it's for. And if you're not sure about what's going on within your extension or your kitchen or the renovation works, what you're doing, your wiring... Take photos. Everyone's got a phone these days. Take a few photos of evidence. It's just because you don't know sometimes is what's going to happen in the long run with Billy Bodger Builders about. There's a lot of them. So take a load of photos. Even if the guy says, excuse me, what are you doing? 
taking photos is my house. I'm taking photos of your work so I know what's behind it. I want to see it in stages. I'm making a portfolio of all the work we're doing in the house. Who cares what the what the tradesman says? The customer can take photos or wherever they want. I actually hate the fact that all these dodgy tradesmen out there, they do give the good ones a bad name. Because electricians, they are commonly referred to Oh, electricians are a bloody rip-off. I get told it all the time. And it's commonly, it's, it's, it's happened all in my career. Electricians are a rip-off, they charge too much. Yet, there's 122,000 electricians in the UK working as electricians. And they say there's a skill shortage. So, I'm sorry, if you want a good electrician, you've got to pay for it. Because if you don't want to pay, there's going to be plenty of people down the road that will. Tradespeople that are not qualified to basically do the job, there's a lot of them around. But the thing is, on the flip side as well, there's a lot of people out there in the trade that do trade jobs that have probably got a shed load of experience that are probably better than the guys that are qualified. And the thing is, with big companies all closing down, with building sites closing down because the housing market's slowing down, there's going to be a lot of guys, a lot of tradesmen out there to think, scrap it, I'm going to go out on my own and start my own business. But if you have a big job going on, it's always a good idea to maybe give a tradesman, if you get an electrician around maybe, just tell him you want an extra socket, maybe an outside socket or a couple of lights put out the back. Test them out, something like that, where maybe it's like two, three hundred quid, rather than giving them a couple of grand to start with to get a job done, because then you know how they work. You'd sort of get a bit of a relationship with that tradesman to know how they work, and look, if there's a problem, you can call them up. There's a bathroom fitter that I know. He came round to quote me for a bathroom and to put the so tiles down. All I wanted was new tiles in the bath and replacing the toilet. He said, yes, that's going to be three days. Well, this is like six foot by six foot bathroom. It's not big at all, and it's going to be three days. I said, okay, unfortunately, we're going to be without a toilet for three days. Yes, normally with my customers, I give them a port to use in the garden. No, it's not going to happen. I don't understand. Like, fine, some people might be happy with that. But, yeah, in my scenario, is it make me too posh or whatever? Am I stuck up a little bit? I'm not going to poo in the garden for three days. Plus... For the work I do as an electrician as well, I sometimes get dirty. So if I can't have a shower for three days, yeah, I'm going to stink a little bit. And I don't understand the type of customers that would be happy to sit on a portal in the toilet for a few days while as he does a little bathroom, which I'm assuming is dirt cheap. So people will say, right, if he's cheap as chips, that's what we'll do. We'll sit in the bathroom. We'll sit in the garden for three days doing our doing our number twos because yeah it will save us 30 quid but I think you're better off being known as a good tradesman rather than a cheap one so check out the podcast how much should electricians be paid in the UK and make sure you're getting paid what you're worth so I'll leave a link in the show notes below to that and you can check that one out so until next time I'll see you again